You're listening to the Kicking Out Podcast, a weekly pro wrestling podcast focused around All Elite Wrestling, hosted by Tanner Lee and Paul Zartman, two passionate All Elite Wrestling fans. If you like what you hear, please click subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Kicking Out Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels. Enjoy the show. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. Another episode of the Kicking Out Podcast. I'm Tanner Lee, along with Paul Zartman. We're here to talk a little bit of everything involving All Elite Wrestling. And we, we got a few uh, tidbits about the Royal Rumble to go over tonight. Paul, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing pretty good. Been a been a long day. Uh, was not supposed to be as long of a day as it turned out being, but it was still a good day. Hey, we're one step closer to the weekend. It's Friday tomorrow. Yeah. So. So that's good news. Good news on the horizon. And uh, we had a heck of a episode of Dynamite to recap from last night. So We did. It was action-packed from start to finish, as usual. Sure was. Sure was. And we have an action-packed on this day to go over real quick. Yeah. On this day in 1991, Paul Bear made his WWF debut on Superstars of Wrestling. Hmm. One of the greatest managers, if not the greatest manager of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that one. Um, Paul Bearer did a lot, not only for Undertaker and Kane, but just in general in the ring, even before he became Paul Bearer that we all yeah. know and love now. He was a great manager. Sure was. He did. A, I mean, he did a lot for that uh, Undertaker character. I mean, yeah. Undertaker's a legend, don't get me wrong, but I don't think he becomes in the same status as he did without Paul Bear. I can completely agree with you on that one. On this day in uh, 2007, we had a Royal Rumble happen. Uh, we saw the Hardy Boys defeat John Morrison and Joey Mercury in a tag match. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. M&N. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I, th- I think by that time, Melina was out. I think. Um, I okay. could be wrong. I could be wrong there. Um what else? Also, during that pay-per-view, uh, Batista defeated Mr. Kennedy to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, Mr. Anderson now, but yes. Mr. Anderson now, <laughs> but at the time he was Mr. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy. And, uh, fun fact, I went to the 2006 Great American Bash when it was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I saw those two uh, square off in that pay-per-view. Oh, okay. It was it was Batista's return. It was his in-ring return. He had been injured. He was supposed to face Mark Henry because Mark Henry's who put him out. Not kidding you. That week, Mark Henry blew his knee out on SmackDown. <laughs> so they had to put uh, Mr. Uh, Kennedy in instead. And that was kind of the highlight of that pay-per-view. There was also a, a U.S. championship match. It was supposed to be Finley versus Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley fails a physical before the pay-per-view. They find elevated enzymes in his liver. So then it's Finley versus William Regal. And then there was a Punjabi prison match, the first one ever in WWE history. It was supposed yes. to be Great Khali versus Undertaker, but they did a segment early in the pay-per-view when uh, Great Khali and Big Show attacked Undertaker, then became Undertaker versus the Big Show instead. So it was like yeah. the pay-per-view looked awesome to begin with. 
on paper. And then it was still fun, but it was like, this could have been so much better. But hey, some that, say that was the start of the downward turn for them as well, too. Yep. That's that's wrestling. So injuries happen. Yep. Also on this day in 2007, part of that Royal Rumble event. John Cena defeated Umaga in a last man standing match to retain the WWE Championship. I think this is one of the best non-Royal Rumble matches that's ever taken place at a Royal Rumble pay-per-view. I would agree with you on that, um, especially because Umaga was had a huge head of steam going into that match. Um, I don't think he had any losses at that point. I think he was still undefeated. And everybody just assumed Umaga was the next champion. He had a great manager for him, and he was quickly becoming a fan favorite. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, he's another wrestler that was taken away from us far too soon. Uh, but he was a monster heel uh, in his yep. day. And, uh, but back then, not too many people beat John Cena. So, right. It, uh, but but if, if you have not seen that before and have the WWE Network, I would recommend going back and checking out that match. It's definitely worth your time. Can you tell me who won the Royal Rumble in 2007, Paul? No. The Undertaker. Okay. He was the first winner to come from the 30 spot. Hmm. He won that, and then he would go on and face Batista at WrestleMania, where he would defeat Batista up in Detroit, WrestleMania 23. Yep, that that I knew. <laughs> um, yeah. on, this, on this day in 2018, we had another Royal Rumble, and this match was on the pre-show. It's crazy to think this match was on the pre-show. You had The Revival, as they were known back then, yeah. against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. So two teams we're going to talk about here in a little bit. They faced off in the pre-show, and The Revival defeated Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson back in that match. Even uh, back then, I had the FTR mentality. Yep. Yes, you <laughs> did. Little BT plug there. Yep. Uh, we also saw AJ Styles retain the WWE Championship over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I remember that being a very good match. Yes. Any match with Sami Zayn's always a good match. I mean, he's a very talented performer, underutilized in the WWE. Um, I think he could be a lot more if they'd let him, but I just don't think they're ready to let him yet. I, I think you could say the same, well, not underutilized, so to speak, but say the same about AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, that anytime they're yeah. in the ring, you're going to get a good match. They're going to deliver. So uh, I enjoy seeing those three guys uh, work. Uh, we also saw on this day in 2018, the Usos defeat the team of uh, Gable and uh, Shelton Benjamin in a two of three, in a two of three falls match to retain, retain the SmackDown tag team titles. Uh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember, uh, Shelton and Gable's reign. It was after, um, they brought Kurt Angle back and they did the spinoff with, uh, Gable's partner being his son. Can't think of his name now. For Jason the Jordan. Yes. And those two worked really well together. They always had good tag matches, always enjoyed watching them. And speaking of Jason Jordan, he and Seth Rollins were defending the uh, Raw Tag Team titles against the team of Sheamus, who's turns 43 today. Today, Sheamus yep. and Cesaro. Sheamus and Cesaro beat them and took the titles off of Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins. Another very interesting uh, tag team that was put together uh, just because at the time they said, well, look, you guys 
butt heads all the time. We're going to make you a tag team. And they were very dominant. And I was kind of disappointed when they split the team up. Yep. Yep. And Jason Jordan got hurt and hasn't wrestled since. Yep. Um, I, I've heard stories he's making, potentially trying to make a comeback to the ring. So we'll see. Uh, can you tell me who won the 2018 Men's Royal Rumble? No. She's I don't think I watched Nakamura. that one. Oh, okay. And he would go on re- to face AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize that was the 18. I, I got to admit, I think the Shinsuke-AJ Styles match was one of the WrestleMania matches I look back on, and I was just highly disappointed in the match. Yeah. I had I thought that was going to be the match of the night by far, and it under-delivered. Yep. Very, very under-delivered. Uh, we also saw Brock Lesnar retain his title over Braun Strowman and Kane. Yeah, not too much to say on that one. <laughs> I, I, until I read that, I forgot Kane was even in that title hunt at that time. So did I. I think I think it was one of those cases where it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be Lesnar against Strowman one on one, and Vince didn't think Strowman was ready yet. Yeah, I still don't think Vince thinks Strowman's ready, but probably never will. Nope. Okay, who won the 2018 Women's Royal Rumble? Becky Lynch. Nope. No. You're you're too too late. Too late, yeah. Asuka. Okay. And you know why you don't remember that? No. Right after she won it, Ronda Rousey made her debut. Oh, that's that one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I even said back then, I said, you just ruined Asuka's win. Yep. Nobody's going to remember it. They blew it. Looking back on it, and, and Ronda Rousey had a great debut with Kurt Angle in the, in, the, in the Superdome against Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. But what they should have done was Ronda Rousey versus Asuka with her undefeated streak. Yes. Instead, they had Asuka go against Charlotte Flair and Charlotte beat her at WrestleMania. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing. Uh, I thought they were going to do something huge with Ronda. And apart from her title reign, there wasn't too much. I don't think we've seen the last of her. I think she'll be back eventually. Yeah, Stephanie started talking again about, you know, well, the door's always open for Ronda. So I think it's more of uh, when, not if. Yep. So, and you have uh, one more on this day from 2018. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Jay White defeated Kenny Omega to win the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. And uh, shortly after that match, the Golden Lovers reunited, which is all um, part of the Bullet Club history. And uh, I think we'll get into some Bullet Club talk a little bit later tonight, of course. But yeah, I I didn't realize that uh, they reunited three years ago, and I didn't realize Kenny dropped the belt three years ago until Twitter told me. <laughs> yep. And Jay White, I mean, look look at what he's accomplished yeah. the last three years. So uh, he's technically, well, rumored to be a free agent right now. I mean, we could possibly see him, I guess, hop, pop up in the Rumble Sunday. But I personally think he's re-signing with New Japan as just part of storyline. Yep. I think that's exactly what they'll do. There's been too many free agents here recently in the last two, three years that have Oh, we're going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I mean, Thunder Rosa is still doing it to this very day. She made a post earlier today about, or yesterday about, you know, I think the Octagon's calling me again. It's like, okay, we know you're not going to go. You're going to stay right where you're at. 
She's just waiting for NWA to get started up again, really. Yep. I mean, she's just a placeholder right now in AEW so they can get going again. Hopefully we see her after her contract ends with NWA. Hopefully she's back with AEW full-time, but we'll see what happens there. Yep. Okay, Paul, uh, before we get into breaking down BTE, um, I know as a pro wrestling fan, you you enjoy the Royal Rumble. I enjoy the Royal Rumble. I got to admit, I'm not very... I haven't even decided if I'm going to watch it on Sunday because of the lack of a crowd. I just don't know how it's going to be because I always love the surprises. Like last year, Edge's return, unbelievable. Um, yep. You've seen other legends make surprises. John Cena returning like three months after he uh, tore some muscles, tore his bicep, I think it was, or something uh, back in 08. Unbelievable at the Garden. Um, but with that said, who are you predicting to win the men's and women's Royal Rumble this year? Um. You know, for the women's, I couldn't even tell you. But for the men's, uh, you and I kind of talked about this earlier today. And uh, I think I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan makes the most sense. Um, yeah. From, uh, you know, a guy who doesn't watch a ton of WWE anymore, but still kind of knows what storylines are. I'm, I'm hoping Daniel Bryan or even Big E. Um, wouldn't shock yeah. me. It wouldn't shock me if Edge wins, though. He cut a he did cut a heck of a promo on Raw this past Monday, and he is in the Royal Rumble, and uh, it, w- it wouldn't shock me if, if he won it. So um, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting on the women's side. I've been going back and forth between Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. I think it's Rhea Ripley's time. It should have been last year. They should have had her beat Charlotte at WrestleMania. They didn't do it. Um, I think I think it's time to put the rocket ship on her back. Do you think Becky returns? Not yet. You don't think so? I think we'll. I think she will return in 2021, but not yet. I think it's too soon. But but her and Seth both could be a surprise entrance. It'll be it'll yeah. be interesting to see. So, all right, let's break down this week's being the elite. Uh, it was titled Fender Bender this week. <laughs> kind of a short episode compared to the last few weeks. It was. It was short and sweet. Um, yep. Still had some good spots. It opened up with a. Uh, with a segment that had the good the good brothers chatting with the young bucks about attacking Penta last week on Dynamite. Gallows and Anderson didn't like the super kicks that Phoenix and Penta gave Matt and Nick, so they got some revenge. Gallows and Anderson say that's some old-school bullet club right there. Uh, Matt is thinking more along the lines of about a, the tag division, how now there's one less team to be involved. Ultimately, Matt and Nick thank them, and the good brothers hit off screen, and then <laughs> Matt then asked, why is there a screen green screen behind us? Because at first they were on a hill, then they're on a beach, and then finally yeah. they're on the boat. Uh, the good brothers are goofing around, and then the young bucks uh, break character and start busting up laughing. And of course, that was you know flashback to the older days with them because Gallows and Anderson were always the goofballs of the group and always could never take them serious. And I think that's one thing that WWE got wrong with them is they made them two serious characters. Yep. Yep. The, uh, the club version, the version of the club that WWE did with those two in styles just didn't work out very well. Yeah. The OC as they ended up calling it the original club. That's right. Uh, we then see Matt and Nick again. They're at a beachfront home in Jacksonville for a meeting. They realize they're late because they've been, uh, looking out at the ocean. We didn't see, an actual shot of the ocean, but you can kind of hear the waves. Um, then they continue to be late because they're checking out the jacuzzi near the house. Yeah. I just don't think they wanted to go to the uh, meeting, honestly. Yeah. 
I mean, they even referenced, you know, we're 35 minutes late now. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a few more minutes. Yeah. Then we see uh, Matt Jackson again. A lot of young bucks featured this week. Yes. uh, Which is, which is always fine by me. Uh, We see Matt Jackson saying they got in a fender bender and they go to look at the damage with Gallows and Anderson. They roll up and see it's actually CD Christopher Daniels car. That was sideswiped by Brandon Cutler as he pulled into the parking lot. The group's cracking up at what happened. Cutler then walks up and apologizes to Daniels and, uh, fortunately for him, it was a rental car. Yeah, and luckily they uh, were able to just buff it right out. No real damage, so I think Cutler's going to get away with it this time. I, st- I still wonder, how the heck does that happen when you're parking a car? I, I don't know. I can only imagine, since the Good Brothers were hanging out with the Bucks, that uh, they were probably in the van and probably distracted Cutler. That's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Um Probably high high chance that that you're right there. Uh, then we see a clip showing I, uh, Isaiah Cassidy hitting Dante from top flight with a chair to help Private Party and Matt Hardy pick up the win on last week's Dynamite. The Young Bucks are talking with Private Party and ask if they if, if they just turned heel. Private Party said they don't, they don't know what that means. Uh, Matt and Nick feel like uh, the guys are being um, mani- manipulated by Matt Hardy. Hardy then gets into the conversation and says they aren't being manipulated. He says they're not uh, – egotistical like Matt and Nick and they are headed for the top. Uh, first they will win the impact world tag titles, which they face the good brothers on no surrender, which I believe is February 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then they'll win the AW battle Royal to face the young bucks. Nick says they are baby faces, not heels. Hardy says not to listen to them. They are the enemies, not your friends. Yeah. Very interesting segment. Um, you know, we talk about heel and face a lot, but those are some older terms and, you know, not a lot of the younger generation does understand those. So that was nice seeing, you know, Isaiah, just them saying, you know, what's that mean? We don't know what that means, you know, or just us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. This, I like this, uh, big money, Matt storyline. It's got a lot of wrinkles to it. Yes. It's changing every week. Then we see a uh, spot with Alex Abrahantes. I believe is how you pronounce that last name. I might have butchered that, but <laughs> he's uh, he's making up some Kool-Aid, some purple Kool-Aid, and he's talking with Five on the phone. And Five says he can't believe the recruits that Alex has brought into the Dark Order. He then oper- offers up his recruiting spot to Alex. We then see Santana, Ortiz, Dasha, and Sammy uh, talking, and um, – they're kind of upset about it, you know, and they, and they, 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 they're going around and they want to get to the bottom of what's going on as, as the group's walking around backstage, they're seeing random wrestlers drinking Kool-Aid. The group sees Tony Schiavone even drinking it. Santana says to the camera next week, this ends. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, that's been its own neat little storyline. Um, I mean, they would make a great dominant group. Just those five. Hey, I like I like grape Kool Aid. I like purple Kool Aid. No, not me. Oh. I uh, I had some uh, purple Kool Aid as a kid, and uh, didn't turn out well. All right, just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, so you are not going to be a member of the Dark Order. I might have to suck it up for the Dark Order. <laughs> Evil Uno would be proud. Yes. So would Negative One. Hey, got to make Negative One happy. He he's not somebody to mess with. I got some comments from Dark about him now. 
pretty hysterical. So speaking of the Dark Order, we uh, see their hangout. The group is bummed out because Adam Heyman Page said no to join the group. Uno said he's so disappointed about what happened. The group's blaming each other for why Page said no. Colton tries to calm the group down and says, you know what would make us all come together more than ever? Silver then offers up, it's time for a, a slumber party. Then we see Colt Cabana talking to various members of the Dark Order's mo- mothers. Yeah, and Anna had to call her grandma. She wasn't allowed to call her mom. So that yes. was an interesting little twist there. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun-loving hate towards Five, and, uh, you know, we won't mention what they say there, but if you are if you follow BTE, you know exactly where they went. And my favorite part of that whole skit, apart from the slumber party, was they were just upset about the table. It was an $800 table, and why was it so little and flimsy? You know who I'm really starting to become a big fan of is Ten. Oh yeah, I'm. You know <laughs> what happened to the Coke? I, I did it all. You mean you drink it? Yeah, drink it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I drink yeah. it. Oh, I cracked up. He is. He's good. But in the ring, he's got to be a future star. I mean, in the ring, he's got oh, yeah. it. He's still green, but he's getting better and better. And um, uh, he he's good in these segments. I mean, the Dark Order just they're fun with these segments. Really enjoyable. Yes, they are. Um, I'm so glad that the Bucks decided to give the Dark Order some skits on BTE because I think it just made the Dark Order take off. Absolutely. It was the right move for sure. Then we see Chris Statlander, who late, earlier on, I forgot to mention, she abducted Jungle Boy last week. Oh, yeah. Brian Pillman Jr., and this week it was Jungle Boy. So she has Jungle Boy put a Mentos in a can of soda, which he's doing regular Coke. She's doing Diet Coke. And... Um, they watch it spill out and, and go down a drain, but she thought it was supposed to be more like a volcano. Jungle Boy then says, uh, you have to use a bottle for that. Stat later gets mad and kicks her out of her kicks him out of her spaceship. Again, um I'm excited to see Statlander back in the ring. I think um, having her back on BTE is gonna be extremely beneficial for her. Uh even with the small crowd that's present, I think when her music hits, it's gonna be a big pop. Yep, I think though they're getting her more involved in BT because she's probably going to be returning sooner rather than later. So. Yeah, um, she even made a post on Instagram not too long ago. She was on uh, Brandy's YouTube show. Uh, she said, "I may not be back on All Elite yet, but you can check me out on a shot with Brandy." So she's definitely hinting at that return sooner rather than later. I did see that episode. Yeah, she she's one of the few on there that. I believe she doesn't drink alcohol. So Brandy's yeah. had a couple couple guests that don't drink. So um yep. of course now Brandy's not doing those because she's pregnant. Right. So yeah, she can't be I, drinking. I just so. realized I just realized I hadn't seen one of those for a while, and that's why. So <laughs> uh but yeah, I was interested to see how the Mentos was gonna work with a can because I've never seen anybody try it with a can. No. I've, I've seen it with a bottle, especially with Diet Coke. Every time it's hilarious to watch. Yeah, well, now we know that uh, one Mentos and one can do not work out. Maybe if we do two or three, it might have been a little bit bigger. Yep. We then see uh, BT uh, champion John Silver, Johnny Hungy, introducing the number one contender challenge where wrestlers have to hang on a pole, kind of do a dead hang. Uh, the person to do it the longest gets a shot at the title. Sammy Guevara ends up winning the contest pretty easily. Yeah, he was uh first one up and... Did it for uh, almost two and a half minutes, and nobody else came even close. I think Luchasaurus could have done it, but even like he said, you know, he had no interest in it. He was just there to be there. Well, and his body's so long compared to the other guys. Yeah. It's tougher for him to do with his arms. 
he had uh, his legs bent more towards a 90 degree angle versus everybody else who was pretty much just standing there. Because we had him, the captain, um, Sean Dean, um, we had Ryan Nimeth and Fuego del Sol, I think, yeah. were the other contestants. So, yeah. And I was surprised uh, the captain didn't go longer than he did. I, I thought he might be the one to beat Sammy, but I'm glad Sammy's got to be gunning for it. I think yeah. that'd be neat to see him and John are uh, going to kick field goals next week. Yes. So that's going to be entertaining to watch because that will not be easy. No, Sammy can kick though. So that Sammy is a little, little more athletic, a little more athletic than John. So we'll see. Yeah, but of course, you know the the BTE championship segments are quickly becoming some of my favorites because unlike wrestling, you know, everybody can say, well, you know, the winner's picked and this, that, and the other. There's no way to pick the winner in these things that they're doing. I mean, you know, whether it's throwing bottle caps instead of pong, you know, beer pong or Skittles into a crack. There's no way to predict who's going to win this. Yeah. Just coming up with the most absurd random things they could think of. And it's very entertaining to watch. Absolutely. And then the last uh, scene, we usually get a nice cliffhanger or something. This week, it was just Brandon Cutler sleeping. Yeah. Been a lot of reference to Brandon Cutler sleeping on BTE here lately. Uh, Don't know why he's not getting much sleep at home or if they're just making fun of Brandon again. I think they're just making fun of Brandon probably. I mean, I I think they're all tired with, you know, traveling. And it's it's been a grind for almost a year now just traveling back and forth to Jacksonville instead of all different spots yep. around the country. so And, you know, now they're staying later because dark's now two hours long, and so they're not even really leaving till the next morning, and their flights are normally at 5, 6, 7, 8 in the morning, and they're up till 2 or 3 filming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of dark, uh, AW Dark was on, of course, Tuesday night on YouTube like it always is. We saw Miro defeat Fuego del Sol. I'm still waiting for Fuego to hit that Tornado DDT one of these days. Yep, it, it'll happen. Yeah, I, they they should wait until live crowds. The crowd will yep. pop big time. Yep. So we saw him. We saw uh, Jurassic Express in action get a win. We saw Ray Phoenix get a win in a really highly contested match. Um, we saw uh, Ten get a win, which Negative One was on commentary, and with Taz and Excalibur, and he told Excalibur to shut up multiple times, and he popped <laughs> Taz one time. Taz was dying laughing. And, uh, and, and Excalibur rebounded from it and goes, yeah, that is my Twitter and Instagram huddle uh, handle. Uh, shut up Excalibur, which I went and checked and it is shut up Excalibur. <laughs> I didn't know that was the actual handle. So, but it was Did funny. Did he change it because of negative one though? No, he already had it like that. Oh, so, so uh, negative one, uh, he was funny on commentary. And, uh, of course he goes in after the match after 10 wins and hits his opponent with the kendo stick a few times. So, uh, that's been nice to see negative one still around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just saw that uh, Amanda was on the podcast, the AEW podcast. Uh, haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but everybody says it's a tearjerker. I listened. It's one of the better podcasts I've ever heard, and it is unbelievably emotional. Um, the details she gets in about Brody's struggles and the fact that she felt like she had to do this. Um, I mean, I'm glad she did. I, th- I think it helps her, you know, kind of vent. But uh, the fact that some fans still didn't believe that it was yeah. COVID-related and she had to come out and tell the whole story. But, uh, wow, it's, it's an incredible I – mean, she is a strong, strong woman. And uh, 
so much respect for her and, and her boys and the Huber family. And um, yeah, definitely everybody listen to this. Stop what you're doing right now. If you're going to go forget and go listen to AEW Unrestricted because it was a fantastic podcast. Yeah, I'll actually be doing that when we get done here. Yeah, it's it's I it, it, I think it was my favorite one I've done yet. So, um, but yeah, and then one other takeaway I had from Dark, um, Powerhouse Hobbs was in a match. I don't remember off the top of my head who he faced, but he hit a brand new move at the end. But my big takeaway was Hook got involved and. He did a belly-to-belly suplex that looked like his dad. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's nice to see, you know, I know Cody made the stab at Team Taz, you know, well, why is your son training with me then instead of you? And now to see Hook over on Team Taz, it's nice. It he brings it full circle. And I think he's he's not ever going to fill his dad's shoes, and I don't think he wants to. But I think we'll definitely see a lot of Taz in him. Yep, I, I agree. I mean, he's not built like his dad. He's built a little oh, yeah, differently. No. But, but he's aggressive, and he even we got to see him in action a little bit in a, in a backstage segment on Dynamite that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But let's break down Dynamite. Uh, of course, it aired on TNT last night on January 27th. It was a recorded episode from last week, though, so it wasn't live. Um, yeah. show started off with uh, a matchup that's – been in the making since All Out. Um, Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer goes back to the Battle Royal, with, which uh, Lance threw Eddie out, but Eddie said he technically wasn't eliminated. Um, so this this was had been brewing for a long time. Uh, the match starts out. We see Jake Roberts head out to the ring with Lance Archer, but Lance tells him to go to the back. The Butcher and the Blade aren't out with Kingston. This is strictly, you know, one-on-one. Um and really, Archer dominated most of the match. There was a crazy spot. I don't know if you saw this, Paul, or not, because I know you you have YouTube TV, and YouTube TV was having some struggles with Dynamite early on. Um, there was a crazy chokeslam spot where Archer chokeslammed Eddie from the ring over the ropes, and Eddie landed hard on the apron. Oh, it looked like it hurt so bad, right on his back. Um, but that was kind of the highlight spot. Uh, but towards the end, we saw Archer walk the top rope, hit the moonsault. One of the most impressive moves I think there is in AEW. I'm amazed yep. how a big guy can move like he does. Uh, Archer then has the claw on, on Kingston's head, and he's looking to slam him down. But then the Butcher and the Blade come out, and they bring out a beaten-up Jake Roberts. It was actually nice to know that Jake can get a little physical a little bit if he needs to. Uh, that was nice to see. The bunny then appears and hands a knuckle duster to Kingston, which is kind of like brass knucks, but they're covered up. He then yeah. back this uh, Archer to the face, covers one, two, three. Post-match, we saw Butcher and the Blade beat up Archer. Some more bunny slapped away at a fallen Archer, and then Butcher and the Blade hold Archer, and Kingston cracked him again with another spinning back fist. You know, um, you're right. It, I didn't get to watch it live. Um Eddie got into the ring and it, it went haywire. So I blame Eddie for not catching it live. Um, but uh, yeah, I did go back and watch it on YouTube after the show when um, they released that match. Uh, it's a great match. I mean, Archer is so talented. I like you. I cannot believe that, you know, I've only really ever seen Undertaker walk the top rope like that. So to be able to do that and then into a moonsault so flawlessly, it's just amazing to see. And yeah, that, that choke slam uh, definitely 
definitely hurt me and I wasn't even there. <laughs> At first I was upset with the result because I'm like, why do they yeah. keep being Archer? But at the same time, Eddie Kingston only had one singles win on Dynamite going into last night. He's another guy that needs wins. And then the announcement today, I'm not sure if you saw this, Paul, or not. Next week at Beach Break, these two are going to face off again in a Lumberjack match. I did see that. I'm excited for that. Um, I think Beach Break's just shaping up to be an absolutely fantastic show. Yep, and we'll do some predictions on Beach Break right when we're done recapping Dynamite. Yep. So, so I'm glad I'm glad we're getting one more chapter of this rivalry. I think it deserves at least one more chapter. Yes, it's definitely not a one and done. And I think if they would have just done it a one and done, it it would have felt unfinished forever. Absolutely. Then we come backstage to see John Moxley giving a promo. He's trying to figure out the situation between the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega, kind of like we all are, really. Um, yeah. He doesn't think it's going to work. Feels like there's too much drama within the elite. Uh, Moxley then brings in the death triangle and all the relationships that are going on there. Uh, Moxley said he's a simple man and he's in business. Uh, there's only one person uh, he can trust. He's, and he's talking about himself. Uh, Moxley tells his partner, partners, Pac and uh, Phoenix, to saddle up for their match at Beach Break against Omega and Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, uh, that's definitely going to be a great match you know moxley just is so fantastic at promos every promo he's ever cut has been just spot on and they're relatable too which is always a nice thing yeah he's i i texted you last time like and i even tweeted from our account which if you're yep. listening to this not following us on twitter or, or instagram yet please do our handles at kicking out pod um i i said moxley's the man yeah Yep, I would, uh, you know, we've seen Eddie and Moxley wrestle each other. I want to see them in a promo battle that where they just fun. have to feed off of each other and declare a winner. I think that'd be interesting, something that you don't see very often, if hardly ever at all anymore, apart from the debate with Jericho and Orange. Yeah, yeah, so, that, that was classic. Uh, we then get another backstage promo. Or sh I shouldn't say backstage. This one's in like a random warehouse building. Uh, we see Sting talking, addressing uh, Team Taz. He's calling him by first name. Says since we're on a first name basis, Taz, Brian, Ricky, uh, talking about their upcoming street fight. Sting didn't appreciate being called a hoodlum, even though he does say, "Well, Darby, you are a hoodlum," <laughs> which I I cracked up for that. I'm like, why are we yeah. calling people hoodlums? Like, what is this, the 1990s? Uh, Darby then stands up and says, doesn't matter in the streets. If you're clean or dirty, it's all about survival. Then he throws a skateboard through a window, and Darby says uh, he is a hoodlum, and he's no different than Steen. Then we see Steen uh, bash a bunch of windows with his baseball bat, even though one window didn't break. And yeah. You could you could see, hear him huffing and puffing. I'm like, he's getting winded swing the baseball bat at these glass panels, there's no way he can do a non-cinematic match. Um, yeah, I mean, that that proved that this has got to be a cinematic match. Then uh, Steen agreed that he is a hoodlum, and then he says, at Revolution, in the street fight, it's going to be showtime. So I, I dug it in a sense. It's a different promo than we've been getting from Steen, but uh, I did have to kind of crack up when that one panel didn't break and then uh, that he was huffing a puff, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's got to be cinematic. Yeah, um, unless, you know, somebody forgot to change out the panel there. Um, I I definitely say Sting was struggling a little bit last night to break that window. And, 
you could tell he eventually just gave up because he just switched windows almost mid-swing even. And they showed a graphic for the Street Fight Revolution, which I love the design of Revolution. I love the logo. I love the graphic. Yeah. I think they pop more than any other pay-per-view they do. Um, but this is the first time we do see that. It's going to be Sunday, March 7th at 8 p.m. is going to be Revolution. So it's the first Sunday pay-per-view instead of the typical Saturday night. They didn't want to compete with UFC and boxing. But now they could be in a predicament. It's not officially. I, I did some research on this this afternoon. The NBA, okay. NBA hasn't officially decided if they're going to do an all-star game this year. But if they do, they are off from March 5th through 10th this year. They're taking a five-day break during the season. They could fit in the all-star game that Sunday, which could really take away some viewers and some buys from the yeah. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully the uh, the NBA decides not to do the all-star. Um, maybe Shaq will have a little bit of influence on that. Well, the interesting thing is NBA – the all-star games on TNT. Yeah. But I hate to say it, even though AEW is doing great, the NBA is their big money maker. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, I will, we'll see how it pans out. Hopefully the NBA doesn't decide to do the all-star game. The all-star game was originally supposed to be in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yep. And it got rescheduled for 2024. So. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll host it in 2024 and uh, it'll be great. Yep. Absolutely. City of Indianapolis always does their events big in the right way. So, oh yeah. Um, we then get a match with Chris Jericho and MJF versus the varsity blondes. I got to say, I'm digging this uh, theme music of the combination of Jericho and MJF's theme songs together. I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, it's, it's different. Um, you know, I, I wasn't too sure about it last week. Um, just because, you know, I'm a Fozzie fan, you know, even when Jericho wasn't wrestling, I was a Fozzie fan. Uh, I've got all their albums. So, you know, it's kind of like, why why would you mess up Judas? But this week, really listening to it, it is nice. It's a, well done. I mean, I got to give them props for that. They did it very well. And, yeah, I think it'll grow. Um, at least they're still getting the crowd to be able to sing along, and that was the important thing. Yep, you can't can't get rid of that. You, you got yeah. to keep that. So uh, going to the match, Varsity Blondes did get some good offense in, especially uh, Griff Garrison. I thought he looked really sharp. Um, the match, towards the end, we see Pillman with the drop kick. That sends Jericho down to the floor. Pillman just then throws Jericho back into the ring. Um, he does a springboard leap, but is right into a Judas effect. And instead of covering him, like Jericho normally would. Jericho goes into a lion salt, nails it this time, looks right at the camera, smiling, then just a serious look. One, two, three. That was to all the haters. Yep. yep. You know, everybody has an off day. I mean, we talked about this. Apart, Even apart from his age, everybody has an off day, and that's exactly what happened. He didn't get enough oomph or slid on the rope or, you know, we'll never know because Jericho's a professional. He's not going to talk about it. And so just to see Jericho kind of break that professionalism and go, look what I just did. <laughs> yep. I loved it. That was fantastic. Yep. Then after the match. I'll go ahead. Oh, we get some jawing between Sammy and, and, and MJF. Yeah. Um, of course, I got to say my favorite part, and I even texted you about this last night and I even tweeted about it. Um, Sammy getting excited when MJF would get hit was probably my favorite part of the match. Did Did you see Sammy's vlog this week? Uh, no, I did not. Well, there's one thing he's one part towards the end. He's uh, he's opening up um, gifts he got from fans, and one fan gave gave him a action figure of every 
it might have just been the first two lines that have been released. Or yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't series three. It was the first two series of the um, AW figures, and he opens them all up, and he opens up MJF's. Goes outside. He lives on like a third story of the apartment. Throws it down into the pool. <laughs> um, he gets it out of the pool. Takes it to the parking lots. Throwing it around. I mean, just destroys the the action figure. And MJF tweeted Sammy about it. So. Yeah, uh, I did see that there was some tweets about uh, the MJF figure, and so yeah, I not just from the vlog either, but somebody made a tweet about when your son's upset because you get the MJF figure when he really wanted something else. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, well, you know, sex to be you or something yeah. like that. Typical oh, MJF. He's always in character. He's fantastic. He's a fantastic heel. Yes, he is. Um, but you know, this, this feud between Sammy and MJF is just growing week by week. And when these two finally face off head to head, it's going to be amazing. And speaking of the figures, uh, series four, uh, the photos got released yesterday. I think they are the best of the ones they've released so far. Their their face scans keep getting better and better every series, and the, yep. these were awesome. So, yeah, and of course, uh, you got some of the first series, didn't you? I've got all three so far. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any of the chase. I doubt I'll ever get a chase. Um, they're too <laughs> hard to find, but uh, they they do say that they might start making some more so that people can actually get their hands on them and. And not up price them for like seven hundred dollars. So yeah, maybe but, you can actually go into Walmart and find them for a change. Yeah, that and that's the reason I order them right off Ringside Collectibles because I've given up trying to find them in Walmart. Yeah, they're not there. Nope. Ever. Nope. Found so, a belt there and the ring there, but never a nope. figure. Sure. Yep. So uh, we then get a promo, uh, a pack promo. Um, I got to be honest, I don't know what he was saying. He no. was saying a lot of stuff, but he was so intense. I love the intensity. His promos kind of remind me of Ultimate Warriors promos back in the day where <laughs> you don't know what they said, but they're awesome because their intensity is yeah. just off the charts. Yeah, uh, I know he said something about uh, bloody at one point and, and bullocks, and that that's about all I caught. He was taking shots at Kenny for the most part. But, yeah, yeah, um, it was completely against Kenny and not even, I don't even think he touched the good brothers in it, but it definitely was uh, a very intense promo that he couldn't make out. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, it's hard to understand him sometimes, but uh, I I do like the fact that they weren't able to have him in the ring. So they made sure to get him on a promo. I like when Pac's involved with the show. He's too talented not to be. Exactly. Then we get a in-ring spot. We see, uh, Cody Rhodes come out with Arn Anderson. Talk about a new theme that I'm not a fan of. I don't yeah, like no. the Snoop Dogg version of Cody Rhodes theme song. No, I uh, I enjoyed the original when you know it started off with "There's more than one royal family" or wrestling has more than one royal family in the Downstate's Kingdom. I didn't mind the prelude to it, but with Snoop Dogg, it's just I can't get into it. I think he's only going to uh, use that. For as long as the Go Big show's on. Yeah, yeah. Which which I, I love that show. I think it's fantastic. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Some some of the talents those people have is incredible. Yeah, I know. Uh, the, the one that made me cringe was uh, the guy who 
put the hooks on his eyes. Yep, I had to turn away for that one. I couldn't. Yeah. I, can't, I can't deal with anything with the eyes. So No, and yep. uh, I saw an upcoming shot of him dragging a car same way, and I went, uh-uh, nope, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So so I, I will be watching uh, that after after we're done with this. So. Yep. Um, earlier uh, in the night, last night was the AEW Awards. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal challenged Cody to a match in March. He pretty much uh, made fun of his hair, said, you're blonde hair, you look like a girl, all this other stuff. So Cody and Arn, Arn Anderson head out to the arena, like I said. Tony Schiavone's there to greet him. He asked Cody what he makes of uh, Shaq's remarks, what he wants to say, and even to Jade Cargill. Cody says you know, he would keep it sim- simple. That would be Shaq and Jade against he and Brandy, but life happened. And since Brandy's now having a baby, uh, can't happen. Uh, Cody said he differs. He defers to his coach. Then, when he's not sure where to go, he asks Arn what he should be doing on Revolution. Arn tells Cody a story about uh, Dusty, Cody's dad, and um, Arn brings up a date back in 1985. And A says uh, Dusty took on Tolly, then flew on a plane across the country to see the birth of Cody, which that really confused me because he brings up a date. He's like, you know what happened on that day? And Cody shakes his head no. No. Yeah. He's born. I'm thinking, wait, Cody, if that's your birthday, how do you not know what happened on that day? Unless the only thing I could think of was Cody was born the next day and or or the match happened a day before and then he flew across and then Cody was born the next day or something because that was just really strange to me. It was. Um you know, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, well, if this is your birthday, Cody, why why didn't you know the date? And then, you know, it's just like, why? What was going on there? Did did Arn mess it up? And uh, yes, June 30th, 1985 was Cody's birth. Is Cody's birthday? I don't remember the. He said June something, 1985. I don't remember. I think date. it was 28th or 29th. I think it's 28th. I think I think you're right. So okay, maybe that makes more sense. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the heck? But uh, Cody was tearing up, which, um, um, I know it sounds weird, but I always enjoy when Cody gets emotional. It yeah. just tugs at your heartstrings to get you get you involved in the show. Um, AA says if he wants to do the show, he needs to do it with eyes wide open. Double uh, A brings up Shaq's amazing career in the NBA, which I had a laugh because he said he dominated the NBA for 19 years. He definitely dominated for a decade, and I would say almost maybe even 15 years. But those last couple of years of Shaq's career, he wasn't dominating. He no. was bouncing from team to team trying yep. to win championship. But nonetheless, I'll, I'll give that. I'll, I'll give Arn credit there. Um, Arn says he's sure Jade does the same thing when she comes into her room, you know, and she does. She's built like a, a brick house for a woman. Um, a then brings out red velvet while Cody's pondering his future. Very serious, serious red velvet heads into the ring. A says she's got fire just like Cody. Red velvet looks at the camera and says she's out here tonight because she's tired of getting attacked and Brandy getting disrespected by the coward Jade. Red velvet says Cody would never put a hand on Jade and um, she red velvet will. And she says she's, she's here to stir, stir it up. Yeah. Tony says it looks like the ball is in Shaq and Jade's court. Yeah. So this match hasn't officially been confirmed for Revolution, but I think it'll happen. And I wish, I hope they do a little more storytelling and introduce to the Dynamite crowd who Red Velvet is. Because if if you don't watch Dark, you're not really familiar with her in that she's actually Brandy's protege. 
you're kind of wondering why would she be helping Brandy or, or maybe if you missed the waiting room segment a couple right. weeks ago. So they need to do a little more storytelling here, I think. Um, but yeah, but like you said last week, I'm ready to get this story over with. I, I, uh, I mean, it is a big spot with eyeballs on it. I get it. That will draw some of public attention, but I kind of wish Cody was in a different match for evolution, to be honest. Or, you know, somebody else taking on Shaq. I mean, but the, then again, I got to say, it's got to be Cody. I mean, either one of the young bucks taking on Shaq just wouldn't work. Kenny, it wouldn't work. Um, I think they chose Cody more because, you know, that last few years, Shaq was bouncing from team to team. Cody got released from the WWE, and I think he hit every wrestling promotion possible in a few years span of time. So kind of interested to see how they tie it all together why mm-hmm. Shaq all of a sudden wants to wrestle him but it'll be interesting yep it's smart on tnt's um part to get some cross branding there and she neil's only 49 he actually no i take about he will turn 49 the night before revolution or the day before revolution so, so man he's still got some years mm-hmm. left him in, in the ring if he decided to wrestle yep <laughs> well years ago he was supposed to face the big show at wrestlemania and yep. big show at I felt bad for the big show. He got in shape, cut down weight the whole year, and then Shaq backed out of the match. So Yeah. Uh, we then uh, head to the ring, and we have a match between Adam Hangman Page and Ryan Nimeth, who is the real-life younger brother of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I believe this was Nimeth's first match since 2018. Um, really? I think so. I thought I, thought I heard that on Fightful uh, on their podcast. I could have missed heard that but anyways and i thought nimeth got some decent offense in uh but towards the end of the match page uh hit a clothesline in the corner sliding lariat and uh pin for two count nimeth got back up reversed uh getting thrown out of the ring he hit a spike ddt on page two count for two count page uh flips out a german suplex plex discet punch clothesline buckshot lariat cover one two three which i think the buckshot lariat is one of the best finishing moves in all of professional wrestling yeah, there's a lot that's got to go into it. I mean, it's perfect timing, perfect position, everything. Because, I mean, you mess up. If he flips too soon, it's over. Yep. We we then see big money Matt Hardy, who was out here kind of doing some scouting during mm-hmm. the match. Hardy says he's, just, he's been watching over the past few months, and he's, he's concerned about Paige. He says he doesn't want to create a scene. Um, he said he knows the Dark Order has been coming after him as well. Uh, he says he doesn't want anything, but he just wants Paige to be happy, and, and that Paige deserves that. He said he's seen where Paige dresses, and that he has a much bigger dressing room, and Paige is more than welcome to go there instead, no strings attached. Uh, and Tony Giovanni even said, you should probably take him up on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this whole match segment, all of it was really well done. I mean, Ryan definitely showed that he's got talent. Um, we talked about the road to that. Neither one of us really realized he was in WWE and just never got used because of his brother. Um, although his brother's tweets during the match were absolutely fantastic. If you didn't see those, you definitely got to go look them up. There was banter back and forth between the two of them. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what goes on with the Matt Hardy stuff because, you know, Evil Luno's not too happy with Matt. Correct. None of Dark Order's too happy with Matt because they feel that Hangman should be theirs. And, you know, 
what's Matt going to offer him that they didn't and where'd they go wrong. So I'm interested to see how this evolves over the next uh, few weeks or months. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think if I had a guess, usually I'm wrong when I'm trying to predict ahead of time <laughs> storylines. That's why I love about AEW because I can't predict it a lot of times when I think I can, but I think that we will see Hangman turn uh, Matt Hardy and private party down and, and they'll attack him. And then that's when we see uh, two members of the dark order come in for the save. Hangman ultimately joins dark order. Yeah. And uh, you went with two. I think it'll end up being three. I think it'll be um, Alex, Johnny and evil Uno. Okay. We'll see or maybe even, um, Oh, Colt. Cause you know, he was so against joining the dark order and then all of a sudden he, officially joined and nobody really realized it. Yeah. They kind of, I think they had a plan to show that with Brody, but then Brody got sick and they kind of, they just put him in the group. So, yep. Um, but I was surprised Nimeth, they didn't have him debut on dark. Yeah. I think, uh, they wanted to show him that they, they really believed in him. Um, he's been on the Indies, I think, um, in the past, of course, like you said, you know, it's been, quite a while since he wrestled last. Um, but, you know, I I feel they had faith in him. I don't think it had, well, you're, you know, Dolph's younger brother. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Uh, I think they wanted to show him because, you know, Cody was underutilized in the company. Uh, so were the good brothers. But, you know, many people were that are now in AEW. Um, but I think they wanted to show him, look, we care about you. We we want to utilize you the right way. And I think having him go up against Hangman for his debut match was the best way to do it. It'll be interesting to see um, if he gets uh, a good amount of matches going forward. I, I sure hope we, this isn't the last we've seen of him within the company because I think he's got some potential. I don't think he's as good as his older brother, but. Yeah, his, his brother's been wrestling a little bit longer mm -hmm. than he has a little bit more consistently. I think as he gets older, he'll start to come into his own. Then we got what I thought was the match of the night. Um, and I told you I had read some things online saying this was going to be the match of the night. And it it lived up to expectations and more. That was Jungle Boy against Dax Harwood. And I think this was Dax versus singles match in a couple of years. Yeah. Mistaken. But this match, it was hard to come up with a synopsis because it was back and forth and action all over the place. But towards the end of the match, there was a lot of uh, – Two counts both ways. Harwood tried for the uh, jackknife pin, didn't get it. Harwood hit a knee. Jungle Boy with a pin, didn't get it. And then um, Jungle Boy went right into the uh, the snare trap. Uh, Tully and Cash are trying to get to the ring, but of course they're handcuffed to Luchasaurus. That's part of the stipulation. Uh, Harwood ends up tapping out because of all the punishment he endured to that arm during the match. And the post-match match, uh, happens the handcuffs are removed. Tully throws powder into Luchasaurus's eyes. Cash Wheeler drops him. Uh, Wheeler gets in the ring and beats up Jungle Boy. Then he takes a slingshot suplex. Tully gets up on the top rope. Harwood and Wheeler get Luchasaurus and they hit the spike pile driver. Luchasaurus is then handcuffed to the ropes. Harwood grabs some scissors, cuts off the horns to Luchasaurus's mask. Then they go to cut Jungle Boy's hair and Marco Stunt runs out uh, to the ring with the chair alongside SCU, Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Top Flight, and as the um, as FTR and Tully exit the ring. Yeah, you know, um, it was nice to see Tully 
interact more than just on the mic. Uh, he got physical and he showed he still got it. Uh, I text you and I still want to see it. I want to see FTR and Jungle Boy t- with Luchasaurus and you know all of Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. Their name escaped me for a minute. Sorry. Uh, in a six-man tag match, bring Tully in. Only have Tully take on Marco. Those two would do well together. Marco's still extremely green. Uh, Tully's not going to be able to take a whole lot of hits. So I think having those two face off and then, you know, the other four can do kind of however they need to. But those two end up in the ring together, even if it's just for a few minutes and then Tully never gets in again. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't cut Jungle Boy's hair. I thought that's where they're going for a second. I'm like, no, no, no. You leave that hair alone. Yeah, yeah, he's even said uh, in the past that, you know, he's got his dad's hair and he just he let it grow out because he looks so much like his dad. This separated him from that. Yep. Yep. And uh, talking about uh, theme songs, um, Tarzan Boy, fantastic. I'm so glad that Tony Khan bought the rights to that song for him. Yes, it's a fabulous 80s song. Uh, Gets overlooked a lot. Um, But yeah, it's it's a good song. And I'm glad Jungle Boy asked for it. And I'm glad Tony got it for him. Works well with Jungle Boy. Just wait till there's live crowds. That's going to be another popular one for them to sing along to. Yep, we even started seeing the crowd start to sing along last night. So this one's catching on too. And Luchasaurus, do you think he dons a new mask next week? Or wears the same one without horns? Or will the horns just grow back like a tail does uh i'm interested to see i mean he's been wearing that mask forever so if he gets a new one um it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with you know someday when jurassic express kind of goes their separate ways and because i eventually i think they will i think yeah down down the road because jungle boy's gonna be a huge star i think i think if you're tony khan jungle boy and mjf and Sammy Guevara are the three. I mean, there's more than that, but they're the three that come to my mind right away that you're going to strap a rocket ship to, and they're the future faces of your company. Um, yep. But when, the, when when Jurassic Express does go their separate ways eventually, I think you turn Luchasaurus heel and make him into like a murderous T-Rex because T-Rexes are not nice. I could agree with that, honestly. Um, yeah. And I think um, when they split, I, I definitely now believe that Luchasaurus needs to be the one to flip heel and attack Jungle Boy. Yep. I think you wait for a while. I mean, because they are so oh, loved yeah. by the live crowd, especially the younger fans. So you wait for a while. But but in the, down the road, I, I kind of like the thought of uh, uh, heel Luchasaurus with, a, with like a bloody type T-Rex mask or something. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely excited for next week. Now, now I want to know if he's going to come out with the same mask on, or if the horns are just going to appear back, or if or the same yeah same mask with just hornless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would be weird looking. I don't know. We will see. Yeah, but they're definitely building this. I think I think we'll uh, we'll see a payoff. Um, maybe probably a revolution. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see a backstage segment of Team Taz. They see some merch guys that must have been related to Sting and Darby somehow because they're setting up a merch table with just Sting and Darby uh, uh, apparel. And um, and Hook goes over and punches one of the guys, throws him over the barricade. Hobbs throws a guy over the barricade. Cage goes, grabs one of the guys, and this is like vintage 1996 NWO Kevin Nash to Rey Mysterio against the trailer. Lawn darts the guy. 
headfirst into the trailer. And then this impressed me. We see uh, Ricky Starks shoulder press a guy through the table. Yeah. Uh, definitely saw something new from Ricky there that we haven't seen. He showed some dominance, which I think they really need to show in the ring. Um, Team Taz has a lot of great guys, but you know, Ricky Starks is kind of going to get overlooked because he's not the powerful one of the three. So seeing him do something like that last night. And I mean, it was nice. And yeah, you know, Twitter blew up with the, this looks like 1996 NWO. So. I mean, and I like how AW and TNT work in some vintage throwbacks to WCW like that. Yeah, you know, they, they don't want to be WCW, and they've said that since day one. Um, they've got a little bit smarter management than WCW did. Uh, but just to have the little segments that made WCW so popular redone in a fun, new, exciting way. So when if you didn't see it when WCW did it, you're seeing it when AEW did it, and then you're seeing the people on Twitter – and all sorts of social media saying, oh, that's, you know, just like back in WCW, which then drives people back to watch that segment from WCW. Exactly. Exactly. We didn't have it. You know, it's getting close to 930 last night. So, of course, yeah. you know, death taxes, AEW having women's matches at 930. That's what, yep. which, which at first I didn't like that they did that. But now I'm so used to it. I do like that. Yeah, I think if they start moving the women's match around, it's just it's going to throw everything off. Um, I don't normally watch the clock, so you know you know when it you hear a woman coming out, you know it's right around nine thirty. Yep. So if they move it back and be like, oh, okay, you know, right after this match, we're going to have the main event, and it, it it'll be like eight thirty nine o'clock at that point. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> We got a Dr. Britt Baker against Shayna, and Shayna's wearing some Dragon Ball Z type apparel, which I've seen her do before. Um, she yes. definitely looked like Goku up there a little bit, um, which I know you popped for that. Yep. Uh, Big uh, Dragon Ball Z fan, so yeah, yeah, definitely yeah, nice to see that. This match kind of went back and forth a little bit. Uh, towards the end, we saw uh, Britt Baker hit a uh, low boot to the face, swing neck breaker, and a cover for two. Reba then put a glove on Britt Baker's hand. Baker goes for the lock draw. It gets reversed into a pin for a two count. Um, Shayna lands a stunner. It was like a jumping stunner. It was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, then she hits a running low drop kick, tries for a tiger suplex. Reba jumps up on the apron, distracts the referee. Baker brings... Uh, Shayna down and applies the lockjaw for a quick tap out. Then after the match, Baker's um, kicking uh, Shayna in the back of the head. He, uh, hits a curb stop, another kick to the back of the head. Lockjaw applied once again. Then Thunder Rose's music hits. She runs down to the ring to make the save. Reba and Britt run out of the ring uh, to the side of the stage. And uh, uh, Thunder Rosa chases and then goes back in the ring, yet while yelling to make sure uh, Shayna's okay. And we are finally going to get the match we should have got a few weeks ago next week at Beach Break between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. This might be the most excited I've been for a women's match in AEW history. That wasn't a title match at that. I mean, there's there's nothing on the line here. You know, you don't get the belt. You don't become number one contender. It's just two women going out there to show off how good they are and to squash a feud. Yep, it should be a fantastic match. And I, uh, it's going to be a tough prediction here in a few minutes when we make our prediction, <laughs> for sure. We then get another backstage segment, a lot of backstage segments 
on last night's show. Uh, MJF wants to talk to Sammy Guevara. MJF tells him that he didn't tell Warlow to get involved in last last night's match. Um, not last night's match, but last last not week's week. match. Um, MJF says he he docked uh, Warlow's pay. And it won't ever happen again. I kind of chuckled at that. Sammy doesn't yeah. doesn't believe him. He says everybody believes what he says, but not him. Sammy says he sees exactly what MGF is up to. MGF asks if he's sure he wants to play play it that way. Sammy responds, "I'm not playing." You know, when Sammy made his debut on BTE, I wasn't too sure about him. He was an egotistical kid that had a panda on a T-shirt. <laughs> But over the last year, he's just showed absolute fantastic skill in the ring, on the mic. He's got the vlog, and I think that helps with the mic skills. Um, definitely, like we've mentioned in the past, Future Star, I'm looking forward to Sammy taking off. And I'm looking forward to that feud between Sammy and MJF coming to a head. Yeah, I mean, you knew the company had a lot of faith and confidence in him when they placed him against Cody in the first ever Dynamite match yep. on TNT, but even that night when he joined the inner circle, you know, I didn't know too much about him yet. I'm like, I don't know about this. Now he's one of my favorites in the whole company, and I, like I said, I can't wait until um, he splits off. I think that's common. And ultimately, I think Jericho's going to split off too because MJF, if you noticed, he's got in good with now Santana and Ortiz and even Hager, and it, Sammy's the one he can't get in good with because Sammy's reading right between the lines. Yeah, you know, uh, we talked about this, you know, what's going to happen because sooner or later, uh, Jericho's going to go on tour. It, it's bound to happen. It happens every so often with Fozzie. And so, you know, I got a feeling that MJF's going to take the role over as leader of Inner Circle. And that's really going to cause some heat between him and Sammy um, because I'm sure Sammy's going to feel he deserves that spot. And then I think when Jericho comes back, he doesn't come back as part of the circle. He'll come back as a singles competitor again, um, maybe even start doing more commentary, less in ring. I'm starting to think we get Sammy against MJF a revolution. I think it might be a little too quick to do that, but at the same time, I don't know where else they go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be hard to hold out unless you just really, really want to build it up. Uh, and have everybody else from the inner circle start turning against Sammy because of MJF. Um, but yeah, it, it revolution. I mean, sounds like the perfect place for it. Unless you wait until um, Vegas. I mean, I don't see how you can wait that long, but double or nothing might be the place to do it. Unless they have MJF and Jericho win the battle Royal for the tag team title shot next week. Yeah. But also, Pride and Powerful are going to be in that match, too. I guess there could be a squabble between two teams. As well as Sammy Hagar. Oh, they're going to be in it, too. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, I think, yeah, we're going to see something <laughs> happen during that match. Yep. So, then we have the main event. For the first time in five years, you have the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers in the, in the ring together against the Dark Order. Pretty historic when you think about it. You got the Impact Tag Champs and the AEW Tag Champs in the same ring. Yeah, it uh, it was a good match from start to finish too. Honestly, it was before before the match though. There was a backstage segment. Uh, Dasha Gonzalez is talking with the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks. Gallows is hyping up next week's match against Moxley, Phoenix, and Pack. The Young Bucks say they're excited to team up as long as 
Don Callis, uh, Uncle Creepy, as they call him, <laughs> isn't around. Yeah. Kenny Omega then shows up and asks Matt if he's interrupting anything. Omega says they need to talk. Callis shows up with bandages all over his face. Matt and Nick ask what happened to him. Callis yells, you assaulted me. Then they start arguing as Omega keeps them separated. I'm starting to think that he attacked himself, Paul. Uncle Creepy beat himself up. It's all part of his plan. He's a yeah. carny. He's a carny heel. That he is, and he's going to drive that wedge between Kenny and the Bucks. And what better way to do it than, you know, well, Kenny, they keep attacking me. Uh, the match itself, like I said, fantastic match. This reminded me of a just an old-school um, West Coast match. I mean, where, where a lot of these guys faced each other on the independence. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of great offense in this match. I mean, a lot of high-flying high, high flying spots, but what else would you expect? Uh, 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 Johnny Hungy sizing up Gallows was fantastic. Uh, Stu Grayson looked fantastic. Um, towards the end of the match, uh, Uno and Grayson hit fatality on Nick, which I love that move. I think it's one of the best moves in the business. I'm shocked every time they can pull it off. It just looks so hard to pull off, and they do it with ease. But the cover gets broken up by, by Carl Anderson. Uno and Grayson take super kicks from Nick. He then hits a big step up twisting flip on the dark order. Uh, multiple multiple apron power bombs are are seen to the dark order. Grayson hits a quadruple super kick as they all yell to yeah. sweet. Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, which I, I know the AEW has filed the trademark for. Tomatonga says they can have it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that going forward. Um, then uh, Anderson and, and Gallows hit the magic killer on Uno. Grayson takes a Meltzer driver by Matt and Nick for the cover. One, two, three post-match sees Matt get on the mic and says next week on beach break, whoever wins the battle Royal gets a shot at the tag team titles at revolution. Matt says they are also in the match, which means they, if they win, they get to pick their opponents. If they win, Matt says it could be anybody and looks right at the good brothers. Uh, they do a two sweet gesture in the ring. Ray Phoenix hits the ring, hits a slingshot, double drop kick on the unbucks. The good brothers immediately take him down, though. Uh, go for the magic killer. Doesn't work. Uh, Moxie runs into the ring and clears out the ring. Phoenix with a massive flipping senton uh, uh, on Anderson. Omega then runs out um, with his pointed boot in one hand, but runs right into a paradigm shift, and he's out cold. Moxley and Phoenix celebrate as the show closes. You know, as good as the main event was, I absolutely loved the post-match segment uh so much action so quick um definitely wasn't rushed this week like last week's finish was for the show uh but you know when when ray flipped i i got scared for a second because he <sighs> hit that guardrail a little too close and uh oof. that could have been awful he gets hurt yeah. so much and even when he doesn't get hurt he almost gets hurt every week it's yeah so- <laughs> Yeah, he's one of those that uh, you go, well, uh, is Ray going to be wrestling this week? You know, he's set to be part of the main event next week. Is he going to be there? Yeah. But, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I liked how they had, um, or I liked how Moxley kind of just had his back to Kenny until right before he hit him with the paradigm shift. Like, you yeah, know, it's I, just, I, he knew he was there. I thought Kenny was going to beat him up. That That's where yeah. me. So, and it was a great paradigm shift, great sell by, uh, Kenny, I mean, he was just straight yeah. up. So, yeah, really looking forward to beach break next week. It's a fantastic card. 
Let's do some predictions, Paul. For all of our listeners and viewers, we plan on doing predictions anytime AEW has a pay-per-view or a big dynamite like this one, a special edition. When we do pay-per-views, we'll do some confident points picks. But with yeah. the break, I didn't want to do that because they might add some matches throughout this week. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like they did today. So, yeah, AEW is really good about adding matches last minute. You get yep. super stoked about a card and then yep. they add something little, yep. which I think will be safer for the pay per views since most of those are going to happen on Saturdays. We record these on Thursdays. I think the card will be pretty much finalized by that time. So Yeah, so our, our prediction stuff will be able to be a lot more smoother at that point. Yes. So, But for Beach Break next week, we get Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer in a Lumberjack match. Who are you taking in that one? I think Archer's got to win this one. Um, you know, that way they're one and one. You're looking for a rubber match. You get one more chapter this way. I agree. I would be very surprised if they have Lance um, lose twice. Um, lumberjack matches are always interesting. Um, we're going to see a lot of uh, diving spots that Jr. hates. That the yes. uh, wrestlers are going to try to catch the um, whoever's diving. So this isn't a match, but it's a segment. I can't wait till it's done with. Kip Sabian fell before his wedding. Um, Charles Taylor finally he's the butler for Miro until next week, and then I think that's over with. I presume we see something that sits up on Miro and Orange Cassidy match at revolution i presume i just want to see and i think it would be perfect for bte statlander kidnap penelope Ooh, i like that i mean that that works statlander back into dynamite even if she can't wrestle this week it really puts everybody's focus back on her who might not watch bte because you know they'll replay that clip at some point, if that were to happen. Um, and then, you know, we get a possible feud there. I think Orange shows up at the wedding. I'll probably I pop mean, out of the cake. Yeah. It, it's a wrestling wedding on live TV. Uh, there's always a guest appearance, you know, whether it's Kane coming up from under the ring or Miro, also ben, known as Rusev at the time, popping out of the cake. Bischoff taking off the mask when he was the reverend. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, recently on Impact, you get shot. Oh, sh- <laughs> you yeah. never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, I just wish they'd get Miro out of the storyline. I think he's too good to be used the way he's getting used. Yeah. You know, they brought him in as such a dominant force, and then they postponed the wedding. They wanted to do something like this. Of course, I think they were hoping that the way things were going, they would be able to have more fans present for beach break. Uh, I know at one point we talked, they were hoping to travel by beach break. So I think that's one reason this has been drug out so long um, to hopefully try to be somewhere different, but unable to travel still. So they just went for it at beach break. Uh, At least it'll be over. Yep. Yep, I don't have any other thoughts on it. You summed it up pretty good. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. This match has been a couple months in the making, really. I'm going Thunder Rosa on this one. Um, she's a dominant force. I was surprised that Serena D beat her for the title. Uh, I figured she'd hold on to that her entire run in AEW. Um, defended against every woman or at least close to as many as she could. Cause you know, we still have some out and uh, 
Rio's been out. We just found out she's coming back. So I'm excited for that. But uh, especially because uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago, they said, we don't know if she'll ever be back. And now this. So I'm excited to see Rio back. Uh, but yeah, I definitely I'm pulling for Thunder Rosa in this one. I'm going to take Britt Baker. I'm going to differ on this one. I uh, I could see it going either way. I really could. But uh, I think 2021 is the year for Britt Baker. I think uh, she becomes the main female in the company. Yeah. Um, now she can just resurrect her dead boyfriend. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, he's a little busy on Wednesday nights in a different company. Yeah, sadly. Yep. yep. The tag team battle Royal. Who you got winning that? Well, as we talked a little bit ago, there's three teams. All six members of the inner circle are in this. Um, I don't know. I, I, we kind of talked about this earlier. I could see private party winning it to try to give them that push, you know, look, well, you may not have beat the good brothers, but now come take on the young bucks. I definitely don't see the bucks winning it though, to be able to pick their own. I know they teased it. And if this was another company, I'd be saying the bucks are going to win it. But, um, AEW throws way too many curveballs to allow the bucks to win it. They do throw too many curveballs, but I am taking the bucks because if not, I just can't figure out where else they're going with the story. I mean, they still got a little ways to revolution. They got a little over a month, but that's still pretty quick for a, a big build. So I think they win it and end up taking on the good brothers at revolution. But, uh, but we'll see. I mean, it could be, it'll be interesting to see what, see what happens in the good brothers match against private party at no surrender too. So. Yeah, see, that'd be my next question. You know, does Private Party then get involved in that uh, match with Bucks yeah. and Good Brothers? But the, I mean, every good tag team you can think of in AEW is in this battle royal. So, I mean, and yeah. we already talked about the feud between Jurassic Express and FTR. They're going to both be in it, so that feud probably escalates. It's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, hopefully uh, TH2's in there a little longer than they've had some TV time here recently. Definitely on one of the tag teams I think they're letting slip. Yeah. Uh, they're overlooking TH2. And I think by the end of 2021, I'd like to see TH2 win the belt at least once. And the main event for beach break got Ken, Kenny Omega and the good brothers against John Moxley, Phoenix and pack. This one I'm having a hard time picking on. Cause you know, I, I want to go to the club, but at the same time, you've got, so much on the other side you know moxley and Pac, but you know this brings up uh we've talked about this in the past you know moxley and Pac have had a pass together moxley and phoenix have had a pass together is that going to interfere with this match you know omega and the brothers are on the same page they're clicking left and right together so i i i, I can't pick well, I'll, I'll go first if that helps. Okay. Know, I'm uh I'm taking I'm taking the club. I'm taking the lead cuz cuz hey, Uncle Creepy's got to get involved. Yeah, Uncle Creepy will get involved, but you know, I just there, don't think you can beat Kenny Omega right now. You, you can't do it. No. No. I I you know, I kind of agree with that. I'll go with you on this one. I I think we're going to two sweet it up at the end of Beach Break next week. Yep. Yep, it's um. Uh, I still think we get Moxley's rematch against him at Revolution, but we'll see. Yeah, and I think that's honestly the way they'll. The more I sit here and think about it, that's how they'll play it out. Moxley loses, and he goes, "Look, you may have beat me, but you didn't pin me, 
it was, you know, a six man tag match. Let's do this one on one, one more time, you and me. And somehow it's going to end up in a cage or something to prevent interference. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I would, I'd be all for it. It's, it's been a, almost a year since we got the one and only cage match in AEW history. So it's about time for another one. The moonsault off the top. I mean, I know they really want to save some stuff for when the fans come back, but we just don't know when that's going to be. So you yeah. got to keep going with your program to keep everybody entertained. Yep. And uh, yeah, you know, Cody was the last one <laughs> in uh, Steel Cage. I personally, for the AEW Awards, voted for that. Yep. Um, but I think it's time for another cage match. Yep. I, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, really looking forward to beach break. It'll be a stacked card. We'll have to revisit it next week when we do the recap and see how we did on our picks. But before we close out the show, Paul, I want to do a, a few more predictions. And this is for the whole year of 2021. I want you to give me the belt holders or who will be holding each title on AEW by the end of 2021. Um, Kenny will still be champ. Okay. Um, TNT title, you know, that that's hard. Um I don't want to see Darby drop it, but it he's gonna drop it at some point. To who? I don't know. Um maybe even Hook picks it up. I don't know. Maybe that's how they tie that in with Team Taz. Because he's taking on everybody else from Team Taz at this point. So what else does he do? Uh or you know, maybe we get uh Nemeth gets the belt. I, you know, TNT is so hard to pick um, because this is one of those. Uh, I forgot to talk about it last week. We saw um, Cody and Peter Avalon during their match. Uh, JR or Tony, I cannot remember which one, makes the comment that, you know, if he can beat Cody, this will put him in the rankings for the TNT title. There are no rankings for the TNT title. I did not realize that. Um, so this is kind of a, a it, unique belt. It's ranked with the, both the AEW title and TNT title are the same rankings. Yes. Which is interesting okay. because it doesn't have its own. So how, how are they going to work that out? I'm very interested to see it. I assume the first place gets the AEW title shot. Second place gets TNT title shot. So, yeah, I, I have a hard time picking uh, who's going to be TNT champion by the end of the year. Um, it'll be an up-and-coming star, that's for sure. Uh, over on the women's division, man, Britt Baker, she's going to be holding that belt at the end of 2021. And for the tag teams, you know, I, I don't think the Bucks hold it all year long. Uh, they'll hold it for till at least June, July, maybe drop them at double or nothing. Uh, or even all out in September. Um, but man, I have no clue who to even pick for that. There's so many good teams. You know, I'd like to see Santana and Ortiz win it. I wouldn't mind seeing Sammy as a champion. Um, TH2, we've talked about that. I'd love to see TH2 as champs. There's too many good tag teams in AEW to pick a winner, in my opinion. Okay, I'll give you my predictions. Um, all right. The AEW heavyweight champion. I and all all day I was gonna go with Omega. But since you and Omega, I'm gonna differ with you. Okay. Adam Hangman Page will be the AEW heavyweight champion by the end of 2021. Okay. He'll beat Kenny for it. 
that would bring the feud that we should have already had by now. But uh, yeah, yeah. For the TNT, I agree. It's a very hard one to predict. I was either going to go Miro or Sammy Guevara. I could go Sammy Guevara. I'd be happy with either one of those, honestly. Tag titles, uh, very tough, like you said. Um, mm, I really like Top Flight, but I don't think they're quite ready. Yeah, no, they're. I think they're still a little too green, unfortunately. I think FTR gets the titles back at some time in 2021. It ends 2020. You want the titles. Okay. And then women's. I like your pick of Britt Baker. I'll agree with you on that. I thought maybe Statlander, but I, I like Britt. I think this is her year to shine. Yeah, I uh, I think Britt will win it. She'll take it into 2022, and then Statlander will beat her. And I think sometime this year, trio titles are introduced. Yes, we need the six-man tag titles, and we need them quickly. And the Dark Order will be your first trio title champions. Yep, yep. Now, okay, so who from the Dark Order would you pick? Well, it depends if if they do, they could do that one rule. um, Like I've seen other companies do where it doesn't really matter. All of them are all, you know, five or six of them are the champions. You just rotate the three. But if there's only three, then you got to go silver. You got to go Reynolds. I don't put evil Uno or Stu because they're kind of attacking themselves. I'd, I'd like to see 10 over Colt. There we go. That that would have been my pick because, you know, you can't break up Uno and Grayson and you can't add somebody to that. So that eliminates them from the trio. Um, so, yeah, you got to go Reynolds and Silver and then 10 would be the perfect match. I mean, just think all the trios. I mean, Death Triangle. Yep. Jurassic Express. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, uh, Eddie Kingston's family. Uh, yeah. Oh man, uh, Team Taz. Team Taz. Yeah, yeah. I I think it makes too much sense not to have trios. Yep, and I mean the Bucks have talked about it since day one. Uh, so I mean I I think we'll have them by the end of this year. It's probably one of those that they were going to debut in front of a packed house. And, well, now they don't know, so they're trying to figure out how to do it. be a great way to debut it on the extra one-hour show when they eventually get that going. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping by the end of 2021 we have that as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's long overdue, but I've we've talked about this, especially today. Um, you know, Tony just made the right decision not to focus on that right now because – I think the talk at one point was uh, to have it at Daly's place every week. And now with Dynamite there and Dark, it'd just be way too much. Yep, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how everything pans out. But uh, 2021, I mean, we're almost in February already, and it's going to be an exciting year for AEW. Yep, by the time we meet again, we will be in February. We will, and Beach Break will have happened, and we'll be here to recap it next week. So. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't already at Kicking Out Pod. Uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this on whatever audio platform you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review. That really helps us out. And uh, give us a subscribe on our YouTube channel and on our Twitch channel. We'd appreciate it. So until next week, I'm Tanner Lee. He's Paul Zartman. Take care. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>